0: He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks a bow and shatters a spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Psalm 46. And, And I've chosen this psalm because of the season that we're in. Um, as 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 a nation, um, uh, perhaps as the season you're in, uh, as a family, as an individual, and what I really want to do this morning is to encourage you. I want to I want to strengthen you, um, if possible. I say, I say I. I mean, I want. I think God wants to do that, and He will do that through His Word. Um, so I just want to try and help us think through that. And what I want to get across this morning um, is number one that God is our security. Number two, God is our peace. And number three, God is our hope. All right, if you just remember three things this morning, it's that. God is our security. God is our peace. God is our hope. Um, And I I want want to try and uh, strengthen you and encourage you. So God is our security. Let's look together at these verses. Psalm 46, that Paul's just read for us. Big idea. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. That is the the headline of the entire psalm. Uh, That's the takeaway message. God is our refuge and strength. He is the person, in other words, or the one to whom uh, we flee. He's the place to which we go, so to speak, in order to flee, to get away from trouble, whatever that trouble happens to be. God is the one, right? Uh, When I was uh, in school, um, in secondary school. I remember doing a project on World War II and I had to draw these little um, things called Anderson shelters, which people had in, in their back gardens. They, they made them um, with sort of corrugated iron and dug a ditch and put, put little uh, bits and pieces in there. And the idea was that, that uh, during, during the war, uh, when, the, when, when bombs would get dropped on major cities, including Belfast, um, by the Germans, uh, you, you, when you heard the sirens going off in the city to alert you, bombs are, are on their way. Everybody d- darted out of their houses and into their Anderson shelters, which they had made in the in their back garden. And the idea was that that was a place where you could feel more secure. Um, you, you would you would not come under danger of falling buildings or or burning or, or rubble or anything like that. It's the place that you go. And in some some ways, that's what. The psalmist is saying to us this morning, God is that refuge. He's that safe place. Uh, when, when the bombs are falling around you, he is the one that you can run to and know uh, safety. And here it says that he is very present. That is, he is ever present. He's always there. He's always there. He's always right with you. Uh, run to him. Run, run to God. That's what the psalmist is, is teaching us. And as we'll see over the next few minutes together, uh, when we understand that God is your refuge and strength, when you take that into to your heart, when you take that into the, the innermost being, uh, your innermost being, then you can experience this moment where we will not fear. Once you understand that God is your salvation, sorry, God is your refuge and strength, no fear, no worry, no anxiety. No concerns? Just imagine that for a second. Imagine a life free of those things. Is it even possible, you might ask yourself, if, if the psalmist knew what I was dealing with right now, is it even possible? Well, indeed, he says it is possible, and, and he goes on to show us how we get there. Um, this is good news, of course, for us today, as we've been thinking, because there's so much out there to concern us. Um, Look look, look at verses 2 and 3, for example, in in Psalm 46. It uses this, what we could describe as sort of cataclysmic language, this sort of of end-of-the-world stuff, this language of, of disaster and upheaval. And we're not exactly sure what, what, what the psalmist is talking about. It's probably written to cover most situations. Some people think this is a particular battle in Israel's history in the past, maybe against Assyria. We don't know. Uh, and, but look, you know, we, God is our refuge and strength. We can go to him in times of trouble. Therefore, he says, because we know that and because we've taken that in, we will not fear... Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, the earth can literally be melting away, folks, the psalmist says. But if God is your refuge and strength, you can know a life free of fear and worry and anxiety. Um, That's what he's offering us. Um, Even in the worst case scenario, whatever that might be for you, uh, God is your refuge and strength. I remember I got a a book one time for a birthday um, several years ago. It's called The Worst Case Scenario Handbook. Maybe you've seen it um, on the internet or something. Um, But it it gives you the step-by-step approach to dealing with the worst case scenarios. So if you end up falling from a plane uh, across the the ocean, it it teaches you how to survive that. Um, How to survive a shark attack. What happens if you find yourself facing up to a grizzly bear in the jungle? Uh, crocodiles, how to dodge bullets, how to fall from a moving car. Uh, all these in a step-by-step sort of you know, picture format. Very, very helpful if you ever find yourself um, in, in, in any of those positions. Um, but it's obviously not quite so easy in real life, is it, to avoid uh, disaster uh, and turmoil? Because as we're, as we're finding out, it comes in, it comes in different forms to, to all of us. Um, you just need to switch on your TV, don't you? And, and, and realise that we are being fed a constant um, stream of information about the coronavirus pandemic, this endless commentary, all these uh, experts and all these graphs and data that get splashed in front of us. But not to mention uh, other things as well. You know, We're fed this constant stream of a threat of, of terrorism, um, of global war, of nuclear fallout, of the decay of, of Western culture. And democracy—it's all falling apart, Um, so we're told. It seems like the world is always unsteady; it's always ready to tear tear itself apart. And that's not to mention natural disasters, floods, mudslides, fires. And you see, the thing is. If we're not careful, we can absorb all of these things into our our soul. If that is the the, the main voice in our hearts and in our lives, then then we can absorb that into our soul, and we end up living as people in this sort of constant uh, source of this constant uh, ebb of fear running through our minds. Uh, Maybe for you even sitting here this morning as you're listening to this and reflecting... um, Maybe for you, disaster comes much more personally than anything out there. Um, like in verses 2 and 3, we've just seen, maybe for you, something so solid, um, so dependable, something like a rock in your life is, is, is taken from you. Um, whether it's a relationship, for example, that has been severely shaken through illness or even bereavement or, or betrayal. Maybe you've experienced something like that. Perhaps for you, it's a situation with work. Um, Even even now, people are, are, are being made redundant in huge figures, struggling financially because companies are no longer able or no longer willing to keep them on. Maybe you have incurred much debt as a result of such treatment. Perhaps even you have ill health yourself. Uh, Maybe you've taken for granted your own health over the years and now that is being shaken. Maybe even uh, mental health is being shaken. Uh, We had World Mental Health Awareness Day a couple of weeks ago. um, And one shocking statistic uh, that comes out of such information says that uh, for men under the age of 40, the main cause of death, the chief cause of death is suicide. We seem to be in this mental health pandemic, not to mention cancellation of vital treatment for cancer services and so forth, as our health service struggles to cope with the pandemic. So I wonder, um, how, how are you coping dur- during this time with, with these severe challenges? How are you coping? Are you, are you, are you a model of peace? floating along in a sea of tranquility? Or does disaster or fear or upheaval, does it expose the grim reality? Does it show your weaknesses that perhaps were always there, but now they're coming up to a head? Maybe you have realized that you just simply can't cope with what life is throwing at you at the moment. Well, This psalm that we're reading offers you hope. It offers us all hope. Um, I I must admit to failure when it comes to coping. Um, I don't cope as well as I want to when trouble comes or as well as I could do or as I should do. I am often sunk by the waves of of despair um, from time to time. So I'm not saying that I've learned the secret here. But it's to people like you and people like me that the psalmist has written Psalm 46. Um, in fact, it's it's what the psalmist saw, probably even in himself, that caused him to write this. This is someone who himself has been struggling with turmoil, whatever way that looks. But essentially, what he's saying here, and we'll see this as we go on, he is saying that we have such deep resources available in God, to help us deal with disaster and trial. So let's try and figure out what these are. This is what the psalmist is saying. God is our security. He's the one to whom we run. Second, then, God is our peace. Did you notice as we were reading through in, in the first few verses, there was this noise. It was, it was wind. It was mountains being moved. It was Roaring waters, crashing waves. There was turmoil. And then in verse 4, it suddenly changes. From the roaring waves, in verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. We go from these scenes of chaos and raging and blackness and danger and threat to peace. It's almost like one... Scene from a movie suddenly cuts and then you're into another scene, another situation, another scenario. Peace, tranquility. But you notice it's connected by this theme of water as well. Um, not, not the water that we've just been thinking about that brings death and that will, will, will threaten to suffocate you and drown you. Not that kind of water. But a water that, that brings gladness, it says in verse 4, and joy. A water that brings life. Um, It's in the city of God, the place where God's people gather together. And for the original readers of Psalm 46, that would have evoked uh, thoughts and memories of uh, Genesis chapter 2, very beginning of the Bible, Uh, because when God created this perfect realm, uh, this wonderful uh, garden full of potential bursting with life called Eden, uh, where he he, he, he uh, was in community with his people. It was amazing. Genesis 2 verse 10 said, A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers, and it gives the names of these rivers and shows that the land was rich and plentiful because of the river that came from Eden. It supplies life. It brings blessing with it. You see, this is more than just a water feature that happened to be nice in the middle of the garden. It's the very life-giving presence of God himself flowing in and among and around his people, his, his community. And there's no surprise then when you get to the other side of the Bible. In Revelation 22, the very last chapter in the Bible, what do we see in the middle of the garden city that God creates in the new heavens and the new earth? We see, of course, a river. Flowing, it says, from the throne of God and and planted by the river is the tree of life. Remember that? And it says its leaves are for the healing of the nations. And so the psalmist here is drawing our eyes to this this river, this stream, flowing through the city of God, the city of peace. And And it's a city of peace because God lives there. And he is present with his people and all is well when you live with God and he lives with you. There is nothing to fear. It says that, um, where is it? God is, yeah, verse five. God is in the midst of her. He's in the middle of this city. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The sense of permanence and solidness In the place of God. What a a contrast to the first few verses. This turmoil, this disruption. Inside you've got this immovable, this solid place where God is with his people. But then look at verse 6. This is really really key actually. Um, The nation's rage, it says, the kingdom's totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. Why is this key? It's key because um, there's... Scene of peace and calm within the city of God, but it seems to be that outside the city of God, the nations are still raging, right? They're still ongoing. It says that the nations rage, the kingdoms totter, they're just about to topple over and fall. But it's outside of the city. This is what's going on outside the city of God, where the river is, and where the peace is, and where the security is. This is happening outside the walls of the sanctuary, if you like. It's almost as if there are two kingdoms at play here the kingdom of God on the one hand and the kingdom of the world, which is chaos and darkness and threat on the other hand. It's kind of walled off. You know, you can be in the sanctuary, it seems, and and, and be walled off and be completely at peace and completely secure when you're with God. And it seems to be that as we go through, the psalmist is, is, is laying out this vision and he's offering us a place in this city, a place where you can actually live in peace and security whilst the storms continue to rage outside, whilst the nations are, are at war with one another. You, you can live, he says, in a place where there is light instead of darkness, a place of, of peace instead of terror and fear and anxiety. That's why verse six is really important, and so practically this is this is important for us because it seems to be that the when God is your refuge and strength, it's not as if the storms stop, and um, it's not as if they cease. It's not this idea that you know if you come to God, all will be well, all will settle. That, I mean that's that's actually a false promise that, that that nowhere in the Bible does it give us that promise. In fact, if you believe that, it will lead to disillusionments because the storms will still rage. Um, Pandemics will still come and go. People will still get sick and leave us. We're not talking here about some sort of spiritual detachment that the psalmist is offering, where we just sort of dissociate our brains from what's going on and pursue some sort of illusion or other. Neither is he offering us to be raptured up into some heavenly realm and beamed up to an alternate reality. That's not what he's offering us. But what he is Saying here, what God is saying to us is that it is possible to enter the city of God now and experience peace in those trials whilst they're raging. It is possible, he says, to know God, to to, to experience him as your refuge and strength in the middle of the turmoil and the disaster. He's offering resilience in the face of darkness, God is offering strength when you, you seem to have none of your own. He, he, he's holding out security when everything you thought should have provided security is actually being taken away. It is profound joy when others might expect nothing but misery. It's peace, it's security, because God is supreme. Look at verse uh, 6, the second half of verse 6. He utters his voice, the earth melts. God's voice is capable of melting the earth, so to speak. It's graphic imagery. God is over everything. That's what, what he's saying. He's... When he speaks, literally the whole cosmos will listen to the voice of God. God is supreme. That's why this is good news. Not you. You're not supreme. Not the raging forces out there. They're not supreme. Not the swirling seas not the personal circumstances that are crushing against you right now. It it is not coronavirus. It is not our political leaders. It is not the world powers that we see. It is not the person with his or her finger on the red button about to press to release the nuclear bomb. God is supreme. He utters his voice. And in him, says the psalmist, there is refuge and there is strength. God is our security. God is our peace. And thirdly, then, we see that God is our hope. He's our hope. I mean, how do we know when we read this psalm, as sort of evocative as it might be, how do we know that this is actually available for you and me and us today? How do we know this? How, how do we know this is real? It's not just some sort of meditation techniques that we can take home, you know? Um, meditation techniques are fine; they're good, right? You know, sometimes we can just sort of slow down and, and cleanse our minds and, and all that. Um, but 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 how do we actually know that this is real? This is more than just a technique. Well, he says in verse eight, to those listening to to the psalm, come, he says, come on, behold the works of the Lord. Right? He's he's inviting. The hearers, the listeners, the the singers, this obviously was originally a song, come and behold the works of the Lord. It's an invitation to look and see what God has actually done concretely. What has he actually done in history to give us hope? How do we know that God is our refuge and strength? Well, we can see how he's done it in the past. That's how we know this isn't some sort of empty abstraction or some sort of meditation technique to get us by. God is has entered human history and he acts concretely and, and the psalmist is saying, look, remember, don't forget what God has done. His actions can be observed. They can be recorded. They have been recorded and, and people testify about them. They talk about what God has done. That's why he says in verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That's, that's, that's covenant language, by the way. The God of Jacob He's referring to the God who has a real relationship with historic people. He's the God who steps down, who reveals, who speaks, who acts, and he, he binds himself through a promise, through a covenant, through a legal binding declaration that I will be your God and you will be my people. He said that to Jacob, whose other name is Israel. He makes... Um, Desolations on the earth. He makes walls to cease at the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And the psalmist is saying, Look, remember, recall what God has done in your history. Don't, don't forget the plagues on Egypt. What happened there? Don't forget how he parted the Red Sea. Don't forget how God neutralized the Egyptian army. Don't forget how God made the walls of Jericho fall. Don't forget how he caused floods to cover the earth, how he felled giants, how he's toppled leaders, how he has routed armies. He has done this. And he is saying to those who need refuge, who need strength, come, behold, look at what God has done. And he's saying if he's done that in the past and he has proven himself time and time again, then he will do that now. He will do that for you. He will be your refuge and strength. He's done it before. He can do it again. God steps into the chaos and he, he roars, he cries in verse 10 Be still and know that I am God. This is a warrior cry uh, to, to, to the, the world that's in turmoil Be still, stop. That word in the, the Hebrew could be translated, you know, be still, could be translated, desist. Lay down your weapons, stop your raging. That's not a request, by the way. That is a command. Be still and know that I am God. I shall be exalted in the earth, he says. And you see this this future realm where there's no more war and there's no more sorrow and there's, there's no more sickness and there's no more fear. That future realm of god 's kingdom through Jesus that is breaking in now that is that is coming now, and that is how we can be in a city within the city because we know that Jesus shall come again we've thought about this over the last few weeks. He shall come again, and he will bring an end to the war. He will break the bow and the spear. There will be no more war, no more death. The sea shall be completely still. Instead, a river of joy and gladness, a water of life flowing to us. Everything in its rightful place. Everything perfectly arranged. That's how it will be in the city of God. And this, this great... Uh, future picture of the city of God is something that we can enter now through embracing Jesus. We we enter through him by faith. Here's the door to that city, so to speak. God is our security. God is our peace. God is our hope. Just one implication then about how this can play out in our lives. Here it is when we look and see how God has, has stepped down into our chaos by sending his son, and, and when you know that through him you can enter that city of God and, and God can be with you and you can be with him, when you understand that, it will change you. It will change the way that you deal with the challenges of life. It absolutely will. Once you come to the city of God, once you know that you're in the city of God, you will start to respond differently to what's going on in this present season. You will not be out of the turmoil in one sense. You're not. You're not going to leave the world that way. Um, but you, at the at the right at that time when you're in the middle of it with multiple threats and challenges to your life, uh, your life, uh, and in your life, you can know that you are in the city because you will react differently. Um, You you can experience peace instead of terror. You can experience hope instead of dread. You can experience joy instead of fear. Not because the circumstances in your lives are themselves joyful or peace-giving or hope-filled, but because you are living in a different city, a different kingdom. That's what you'll experience. And that's what other people will see in you. Um, They will see you respond... With calmness when everyone expects you to crash and burn. Yeah, you'll be given giving evidence of, of joy when everyone else expects you rather to fall into the pits of despair. You will you will even see it within yourself. When you know that God is your refuge and strength, you will look different. And so how finally, how can you grasp this? How can you um, appropriate this? to your life well um, the one way to do it that I want to leave you with is to preach the gospel to yourself every day preach it to yourself not just speak it out loud but preach it take yourself in hand and preach it to yourself that means putting yourself in a place where you're going to hear the gospel daily daily Um, It it needs to be for us our bread, our food, you know, that we take it up, we eat it, we chew on it, we take it into our bodies. We need bread every day. How much more do we need to to, to feast on Jesus every day? Preach the gospel to yourself. Um, Teach it to one another, right? That's one of the joys of being part of a, a community of people following Jesus together. We need to hear it spoken to us. Sometimes, um, depending on where we're at in our lives, um, we need others to speak that truth into our lives as well. Uh, more and more. And maybe, maybe you've been knocked sideways because of the turmoil going on in your life right now. Uh, maybe today you just need to say to someone, look, help me. Strengthen me. P- point me to Jesus. Push me in his direction. Speak it to one another. Speak it to those outside. Model it to those outside because the world out there needs to hear and needs to experience the security and the peace and the hope of God. And you're their best shot at hearing how to access that, how to receive that. When they see you, model it. But when they hear you talk of how you get that through Jesus. God, is our refuge and strength.